Welcome to the Who Are We Really podcast with me, Nate Ben, and my good friend Graham. Each episode, we explore the world around us with current affairs and personal experiences through our own individual lenses and try and make sense of it all. We'll be inviting guests on to discuss their individual experiences and their perception of the world around them. Please remember to follow, like and subscribe. Find me on Twitter at NathanielBen82. Hello and welcome to the Who Are We Really podcast, first episode which hopefully will um, go on for quite a while. I'll introduce myself and my co-host. My name is Nate Ben. I am a writer, a comedy writer, you know, amateur stand-up comedian, podcast host and uh, hopefully nice guy. And you are? My name is Graham. Um, I'm a uh, stepfather to two uh, young girls um, engaged to a, a lovely fiance. We're here in my home today. It's probably the hottest day of the year. Oh, it is. And I uh, dread going outside, so I'm glad we're in my living room doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, it is. It is hot. I'm like Jason Derulo. So, uh, literally, it's 100 degrees. It feels like at the moment. Yeah. Jeez. So, but I mean, what I mean, what's probably worth doing is um, explaining how this how this sort of like came about and what we're you know gonna you know what we're gonna go on with and hopefully how we're going to push the podcast forward and for me I felt that I wanted to get involved in something like this because there's a lot going on in the world Mm. as we know we've got COVID-19 which I'm sure everybody knows about but we've got a lot of other things going on not below the surface but other things that have been going on um, that people are a lot more aware of you know namely um, Black Lives Matter with what happened to George Floyd where you know, a uh, black man in America was actually killed by police. The police have been sacked from their jobs now um, and they're awaiting trial for second degree murder. It was all caught on camera and there's a lot going on because um, some people feel that, you know, he was unjustly killed and he was murdered. Some people feel that, you know, he should have been complying with police. Some people are shocked because the video was very graphic and it would trigger a lot of emotions. Some people aren't really fussed about it but it's brought about a lot of conversations that have been needed to be people have needed to have in the past but perhaps didn't have an avenue to talk about those things yeah and I think that's where that's where it stemmed from really for me yeah and, and I think for myself like I mean why why am I you know why do I consider myself to be an anti-racist today and I suppose if I'm being brutally honest like you know as a child growing up a lot of the stuff that I've been learning recently, and I don't, you know, I'm still learning so much now, but I, as a child, that there, there like I was ignorant, I suppose, to a lot of mm-hmm. the issues facing people who aren't white. And, um, and you know, that I suppose many, you know, I've made many mistakes growing up as a person, but like through a mixture of formal education at, at school, college, university, but also informally by meeting people, you know, such as yourself, Nate, you know, Mm -hmm. I um, sort of opening up to and and now believe that, of course, everyone, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at this, when you look at things like what happened to George Floyd in the States, and, and, and if you look at it through the lens of the fact that actually this person is a human being and the way that they were brutally murdered, no wonder so many people were shocked. No wonder so many people took to the streets to protest that. And there's, you know, there was a tremendous strength of feeling. I feel with the with the Black Lives Matter movement taking mm-hmm. taking um, 
starting worldwide. So um, yeah. I'm glad we have this opportunity today to discuss related issues. Yeah, yeah. And I think with the George Floyd thing, I think it was terrible. It, you know, it hit me hard, hit a lot of people hard. Um, the graphic nature, because people, you, you can you can read that somebody's been killed in the newspaper or you can read it on Twitter, on Facebook. But unless you actually see it happening, you see somebody's life leave them right in front of your eyes. Yes, it was secondhand because it was via somebody filming it, but it was as if you were there. When you see that, it takes, it makes you feel very, very different because, you, you know, you, you, it's not something you see every day. You see it on TV, but when you see it on TV, you know they're actors, you know they're acting, you know, you know, there's a bit of fun involved. With that, there was no fun about it. And it was very brutal because it wasn't just like, and I'm not saying just, you know, lightly when I say, he, it wasn't like he was just shot where we have seen instances of people being shot on camera. It took, it was, what did they say? Eight minutes, 23 seconds. Um, Derek Chauvin, if that's how you say his name, had his knee on George Floyd's neck. So for eight minutes or so, that guy was screaming that he couldn't breathe, saying that he wanted his mum who had actually died. And I think it was the anniversary of his mum's death. It was, it was, he, he, he was, he was suffering as he died. And we all felt, that suffering as he, you know, his life ebbed away from him. And I think to me, that's what made it so shocking to the world because had George Floyd, to me, just been shot, not just been shot, but had he been shot, it would have been awful. People would have been up in arms, but I don't think it would have had the same impact. Yeah, uh, and I, I, you know, just this morning before we started this podcast, uh, you know, I mentioned that um, I was scrolling through my social media before you came over and I saw yet another example of, um, a, a, in this case, a, a black woman being awfully mistreated. Um, and so the I suppose a question that some people are asking is, why was it George Floyd's murder and not the countless other examples mm -hmm. or evidences of abuse that uh, that black people have had to ex you know uh, go through in their lives? Why was it George Floyd? And I think it's as you say, it's because of the graphic, brutal, protracted nature of his murder, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unlike the the others that we get we see almost on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And since his murder, a lot of other things have come out in terms of, you know, there's lists of, you know, 50, 60 black people or people, uh, ethnic minorities who have actually been, you know, killed, you know, due to, you know, mistreatment of the police. And a lot of, the, a lot of them, the police, have actually got off. They've actually got off. But then I always, I always get the counter that some people say, okay, there's a white woman, I can't remember where it was but there's a white woman in america who was actually killed by a black police officer and they're saying some i uh, had somebody say to me well it works both ways you know both people get killed and i'm like yes it does definitely work both ways 150 percent not denying that police brutality needs to stop whether it's against white people whether it's against black people but the fact of the matter is the number of black people who have been killed or even hispanic people who have been killed by police it's been been caught on um camera and those police officers have walk free it it the the, it, the the figures are very very skewed in terms of it feels like there have been so many the other way and i say that guy who killed that um woman yes he deserved to go down because he killed her it was unlawful but at the same time what about all these other people they deserve to go down as well but because from what i understand i could be wrong but what from what i understand about the um the police system um, it's very, very tight-lipped and it's all done behind closed doors. So 
you know, we don't get to see what's going on. And a lot of the time these guys get off and, the, you know, the, I don't understand the law to the extent of understanding all the different things for the different states. But there was a way that there, there, there are probably loopholes that mean that these guys, regardless of what was being shown, you know, seem to get off. And it goes back years and years and years and years, you know, if we think back to we've talked about Tupac yeah you know Tupac yeah. my favorite rap artist of all time in my opinion the greatest artist of all time he was rapping 25 30 years ago about the problems that we're seeing today he was talking about the fact that he got brutalized by the police and nothing seemed to happen to those police officers he ended up shooting two off-duty cops um I think it was in Atlantic City because they were trying to rough up um a black guy he ended up suing the police department and getting however much money because these two police officers were off duty, they're drunk, and they'd actually taken a gun that they were threatening this other black guy with from the evidence room. Mm. And he was talking about these problems back then and saying how bad they are, and that nothing's changed in all that time. Rodney King. Yeah, um, tell me more about Rodney King. Rodney King, he... I was quite young at the time, but he was attacked by about six or seven police officers, hit with batons, all sorts of stuff. I think he had drugs in the system, but they were hitting him, battering him, all of them. Um, it was caught on camera. Nothing. They, they didn't get convicted. But it, it, it was brutal, very much like the George Floyd. But this one, he didn't die. He was just beaten up, attacked, hit with batons, and he was on the floor begging for mercy. And they were still, you know, hitting him, hurting him. And they got off. And unfortunately, and this, ha this has happened a lot with the George Floyd thing, they said he was no angel. And they seem to think that by virtue, because he was no angel, that means that he probably should be able to accept more pain than somebody who's a really nice person. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how nice a person you are, nobody should be treated. And, and the, the, what, you know, the, pers the perspective in which you're telling these version of events from... Um, I think, you know, from my point of view, reading mainstream media sources, it's actually a lot of this is missing from mainstream media, uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, the, the, these these perspectives. And a uh, part of me thinks that perhaps one of the reasons why the protests that um, that, you know, came as a result of uh, George Floyd's uh, brutal murder, part of me feels like these protests uh, are almost necessary in order well they're necessary for a range of reasons but in order to bring justice in order to to um have the the police officers who are involved in his murder you know brought brought to justice because mm -hmm. I, it, it would seem that if it wasn't for these mass protests in in george Floyd's case that, that, that perhaps the police officers involved may never have been you know arrested uh, mm -hmm. may never have been you know uh, will never have been taken to court and and like these countless examples that you're able to just sort of reel off you know kind of reinforces that view mm -hmm. 150% and um when i think about all the things that have happened and you know there's another case of i think it was in 2017 Elijah McLean um, did i tell you about him no he was a boy he i can't remember how old he was he must have been about 19 he um he was autistic. He used to wear like a uh, ski mask and listen to his music. The ski mask, because I think he was, was he anemic? And he, he, got, he got very, very cold. He wore his headphones because it helped him just be able to, you know, zone out from the world. He'd talk to cats and stuff. He'd wear the ski mask because he got cold. He, um, he was walking outside his own, you know, his own apartment complex. And the police were called because there's somebody outside with a ski mask. The police came 
and he said, oh, how can I help you? And they said, take off your ski mask. Because look, look, I'm an introvert. Please, please, please don't take this off me. This is, this is me. Respect my boundaries. And he was, I think they said he was something like 120 pounds. He's very, he's very, very slight guy. And they, I think there's four of them. They attacked him, held him down, and he kept saying, look, I'm an introvert. Please, please, this, I'm, I'm, I wear this because I get cold. They injected him with... I can't remember what the drug was, but it was like a tranquilizer. But it was a tranquilizer they would have used for somebody about three, four times the size of Elijah McLean. Um, um, he ended up having a heart attack twice on the way to hospital. He, one of the police officers said, dude, dude, move. The police camera, they could see, the, the body cam could see what they were doing. So obviously they were aware that they weren't doing something right. He ended up dying a couple of days later. Um, and he, he, there's a video of the, the boy, he's like such, just an innocent guy. And he goes something like, oh no, I'll help you officer. I don't, I don't, um, have guns. I don't do that sort of thing. Teamwork makes the dream work. He was saying all these things you'd know that a child would say when they're like very, very anxious and very upset. Um, none of them went down. I think now the case has been reopened, but lots of people got very, very upset about that after the George Floyd thing. But what I felt quite strongly about was that was absolutely tragic. It sh something sh that those police officers should have been punished there and then. But people were getting more upset about his death because they felt like his death was um, more upsetting than George Floyd's mm. just because of the way he was as a person. So it's almost saying, OK, we can justify some deaths. Mm. We can't justify others. If somebody has put people in danger and it's a bit of a self-defense thing you can understand that obviously you don't necessarily have to kill them but that may be something you need to do but that takes me on to it seems like i'm waffling but the reason i'm saying it is because if we look at a lot of these school shooters this that, and the other some of these school shooters or these people have killed loads of people in a shopping mall some of them have come come away handcuffed they get arrested they're killing people they're shooting people these people that we're talking about here george floyd like okay they're not causing any harm to anyone. So, they're not killing anyone. They're, but yet they're killed. So you're talking about the difference in the way in which um, white criminals, in this case, white murderers or mass murderers, are treated by basically law enforcement in comparison to um, black people who may uh, be a, a suspect of some kind of... Fit, apparent, apparently or, or fit perhaps, a description. Yeah, they fit a description. And, and it's the way in which those two are treated, even though... You know, you bring up the case of school shooters, which, of course, is one of the most horrific things I can, you can ever think of, yeah. contemplate. Um, and, and yet they, they're detained in cuffs and taken away and people talk about their mental health and yeah. and so on. And yet the way in which, um, shall we say, black suspects, I suppose, or, or, or you know, they, they, are, they are talked about in a very different way. Mm -hmm. People are making character judgments on them. Yeah, through, through a fear or an irrational fear of people who look different to them yeah and I suppose what we've been talking about or what you've been talking about um, uh, at them you know for, uh, into, up until this point is actually really dark heavy-duty stuff but um, I think um, there's also um, everyday racism isn't there mm -hmm. that, that people endure um, yeah. and so um, you know forgive me for asking but like is this something that you experience in your everyday life or yeah I mean obviously not to the extreme touch wood of um, these people we've talked about but there's something that um, a great comedian Dame Baptiste calls race star we all understand about um, people say um, they've got their gay dar they can sense when there's somebody gay around it's exactly the same with racism. I have experienced so many people who are 
without necessarily realising it, are acting very differently around me. If I were to ask them about it, they would get very defensive, turn me into the aggressor and them into the victim saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. You know, you've got a chip on your shoulder mm. or you're playing the race card. All those things, but that's through their own insecurity of who I am. And a lot of the time I've had it where people meet me and I've, ha- I've had people say to me, oh, you don't seem black. You, you don't sound black. You, you're so different to what I thought you'd be like. I'm like, how, how, how do I not sound black? Because I'm not talking in clicks. I've not got a heavy accent. I was brought up here. I'm, I guess, middle class, you'd say. But at the end of the day, regardless of my education, regardless of the people I hang around with, if I walk out on the street, okay, people aren't going to see a middle class nice guy, the people who think in that kind of way, not everybody, so I'm not saying everybody's like this. Some people just see me as another black guy and have their own preconceptions. And that's, I think that's one of the, um, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but that's one of the, basically the tenets of racism, isn't it? That mm-hmm. people have, um, when they see someone in, in, in your case, a black man, when they see you, they have a preconceived idea of mm-hmm. <clears throat> what kind of person you are without mm-hmm. having actually spoken with you, met you, you know, like actually yep. spent time with you. Um, <clears throat> and I, and I think that's one of the, one of the issues, isn't it? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, I remember being at school in the 80s. I went to private school my whole life, 80s and 90s. The only brown people they'd heard of were Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes, and Bungle from Rainbow. That's, <laughs> it. That's literally the only brown people they'd ever heard of. So at private school, I was very much... There were a couple of other black black boys, but I uh, the older boys, but I was a bit of a token, and they you know, warmed to me that way. And... Because you know I'm 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 small. I go to the gym, but I'm quite small. I at the time, even then, I was very small, and I was looked upon as cute and a little bit different. So the a protection did come of me. People were very protective of me. But the teachers, on the other hand, wanted to, at at first the junior school. Some of them were absolutely lovely to me, really, really lovely. But then as I go went through the school, I did notice there was a change in the way some of the um, teachers treated me because I think they weren't they didn't understand how to take somebody like me because I was you know yes I was chatty but my father's got a PhD my mum's very educated I was very much I think to an extent at times bored because I was able to pick things up very very quickly mm. and I don't think th- I don't think they quite liked the not loud mouth but the what they would call know-it-all mm. black boy mm. and it, it I don't know it irked some of them a little bit and I, I, I could see that even as a child that something wasn't quite right there but thankfully because I was quite popular around the school mm. I was able to brush that past because to me when you're a child it's all to do with what your peers think of you really so I was able to brush past that I had some friends who were re- his parents were really really lovely to me and you know looked after me like I was their own because I feel like even now to an extent there's a People almost fetishize, you know, having caramel babies, this, that, and the other. It's, it, you know, it, it's that sort of thing. And I feel like there was part of that. It was all done in love, but I think it started off as part of a bit of a fetish. Like, oh, he looks a bit different. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah. Number of peop- people, and now people wouldn't dare do it. Oh, his hair feels like a sheep. Oh, let's feel his hair. Yeah. You know, oh, it's so cute. This, that, and the other. And at the time, I thought, oh, it's just people showing me affection. That's fine. Yeah. But you look at it in hindsight, and it's a bit, it's not. And so these are like, I suppose, is this what helped form your, 
your what what was it your radar is this uh, these, race star yeah race star so are these are these the little sort of signs that that bring are they do they are they incorporated into your race star like these days um, yeah these i think things? i think because i'm a bit more articulate and more understanding of people they are but also i'm very i look at people's reactions and they're you know they're, they're little isms yeah and i pick up on those little isms very very a lot yeah. and i think me and my parents aren't the club very overly close but because of that i did lots of reading watched loads of films when i was younger and which is where the whole comedy side of me came in and being able to make people feel a lot of the time and i guess the comedy thing really stemmed from the fact that if my for example my mother was in a bad mood i would try and use comedy to make her feel more comfortable if people are feeling this slight bit of racism but they don't know it I'll use humour and so on to make them feel a bit more comfortable. So mm. my comedy has come from being able to make other people feel comfortable. So the whole racism thing isn't an issue. And I feel that's where it all stemmed from the whole, let's have, let's try and give people comfort level. But now that I'm older, that I'm a fully grown man, I'll still be able to do that. But there's still some people who, even when I'm doing that, do not like, do not like to engage in many conversations with me, won't really want to talk to me. And are very surprised when I tell them about, you know, my educational background and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I've got a master's degree. People who would meet me and be like, oh, yeah, cool. But some people are like, oh, how, what, what, how, how did you do that? Yeah. I mean, my father, he was a teacher. He got a PhD. When he was teaching, he got told, um, he got given bottom sets. He always brought them up and they ended up doing well. These kids that do did well end up being put into top sets of the white teachers mm. and one of the white teachers and the head teacher actually said to a kid oh um that's not a phd he's a witch doctor what? to to a kid the kid went and told my dad this was you know early 90s not much was done it was just like i mean that, yeah. that is that is blatant racism that, but things like that hearing stories like that and understanding things like that really shaped me to understand that people may say one thing to you they can say something else to somebody else and they can act a particular way but really they're trying to push another agenda right so you've got uh, i suppose what you're saying is you have people that might be be nice to you face to face but then mm -hmm. they'll have a different conversation with someone else later yeah um which is just uh i mean i don't know how i mean i can't relate to how that must feel like at times when especially when you get evidence of that so mm. you've you, in your you know in your mind you've had uh, this interaction with this person and it went a certain way in, in your in your mind, but then you hear different from someone else, and it, it must at times it might. I guess it must feel like almost like a well, it's deflating, I suppose. It does, but because I tend, you know, wherever I go, you know, whatever job I got, generally I'll get on with the majority of people. So I'd be class. I guess I'd be classed as quite popular, mm. and I think it irks some people that they can feel a particular way. But the majority of people will be like, oh, no, he's right. I like him. Did it. And I think it irks him. And because I've got that ability to actually talk to people and make people feel comfortable and make people realise that I'm completely different to what they thought I'd be like. Yeah. I think that irking, that irks them even more. But there's nothing they can do because anything they do, some people will be a bit like, I'm not sure that's right. So are we talking these people that get irked in in the face of who you actually are as a person? These people are we talking about um, what I would call sort of um, actual racists? 
Um, I'd say casual racists. Casual you know, like social smokers. Yeah. Yeah, casual right. racists who aren't, they, they, they aren't, they, they're not doing, because I think there's a difference between racist abuse and racism. Racist abuse is you call me the N-word. Right. Racism is when you've got systematic things in place that mean that people of a particular ethnicity or ethnic minorities aren't able to potentially, there's a glo- there's a, there, there's a ceiling, they can't get any further because of, things that have been put in place yeah. for them. And if they do get further, it's not because it's something they're doing, it's because somebody is still pulling the strings to right. almost say, okay, I'm pulling the strings, look, I've made this person do really well. Yeah. Almost like unconscious bias to an extent. So I think these people are the ones who would have the racist abuse, who may think the odd racist idea, but they don't have. They don't always have the power to implement the things that stop me. So they're getting irked because... Well, the, the, what I'm getting from this is they're irked because rather than changing their uh, their opinions, I, should, I suppose, so rather than change their opinions in the face of someone that shows them something that challenges their preconceived ideas, mm-hmm. they're irked because um, you don't fit into their preconceived notion mm-hmm. of who a black person is. And so that is why they're irked. And rather than change what they think, they rather instead get irked by someone who is not fitting in with their yeah. belief system. Exactly. And I mean, excuse my language, I've been to, um, I've watched football all over the place. I'm a massive Liverpool supporter. We won the league, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> but I've had it before where I've been at a pub with friends and I've had um, fans, not necessarily Liverpool fans, but fans of a, of a team, whoever's playing, going, oh, you stupid black bastard, having to go to the player. And then looking at me going, no, 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 I don't, I don't mind black people. You, you're a funny black bastard you are, but I don't like him. Right. And I'm like, can I not just be a funny bastard? Why do yeah. I want to be a funny black bastard? Why does that yeah. come into it? Just say, you're funny, I don't like him because he plays for the other team, or I don't like the fact that he dives. And even in football, you see a lot of the time the descriptions or even, you know, where, and we'll talk about this in another episode, where people describe... A player of a particular ethnicity in one way and they'll describe another player of another ethnicity in another way for yeah. example with the john terry thing where he called anton ferdinand a black see you next tuesday it was caught people saw it he got i think he got four match ban which is one more match ban than being sent off mm. louis suarez who is from uruguay and from what i understand his grandfather was black or mixed race he constantly was calling Luis Saha, a black player from Man United, Negrito, which in Uruguay, it's, all, it's not quite the same as somebody calling somebody the bomb. It's to annoy them, but it's not, it doesn't have that weight to it. Right. He got, I think it was £40,000 ban, um, a fine, and eight or nine ga- game ban. He's not from the UK. He, doesn't ne- he knew he was annoying him, but he may not have understood. And I'm not, um, you know sticking up for him at all I think he should have been punished but he doesn't necessarily fully understand you know how I guess the how it translates yeah how it translates and how we need to address each other but John Terry an Englishman through and through calling somebody a black see you next Tuesday he knows exactly what he's saying he's been brought up in this country he knows it's going to cause offence so surely the punishment should have been equal Louis Suarez definitely should have been punished but so too should have John Terry right and I suppose um, that brings us neatly on to the, the next thing that um, um, it would be good to talk about in this first episode. And I suppose it's about white privilege. Yeah. Is it, um, 
so um, as, as I was saying to um, as, as, I was, as I was saying before this episode started before we started recording yeah uh, I had an experience uh, with someone um, and this was when the Black Lives Matter protests started kicking off in the UK yeah yeah um, and they said uh, they said why should I feel guilty for being white and and all I could say to them at the time was it's not about that but a lot of what we've touched upon in this episode mm-hmm. um, I think um, there's there's a lot of white privilege going on mm-hmm. um, so what is white privilege um, from your perspective um, to me I think I think white privilege isn't it, it, it's not as easy as when we talk about privilege, just saying privilege is you've got loads of money, you haven't got loads of money, you can pay your rent, you can't pay your rent, um, you can go on these flash holidays, you can't. It's more the fact that if you have any privilege at all, and we've every single person, black or white, has had some sort of privilege, it means that you don't have to suffer any sort of inconvenience in your life. For example, you and I, have had male privilege without even necessarily re- realizing it. I probably in my life, I'm not going to lie, I've probably said homophobic things, I've probably said chauvinistic things, and you know, I'm I've I've learned a lot of things about, you know, how you address people, how you talk about people, and things are pro- and I'm not going to lie, things have probably been said in my youth that shouldn't have been said, and I'll stand up and I'll admit to that because I was privi- I've been privileged enough being male that certain things will be accepted for me. I, for example, in a meeting, for example, I could be listened to ahead of a female member of staff just because I'm male. Mm. Nothing to do with the fact that I'm the popular guy or whatever it is, just because I'm male. And if we think about the Me Too movement, women, to an extent, have really, really had it tough. They've not been listened to because men have had have been power players. So women have had to deal with the fact that they can't necessarily become or do what they want to do without, I guess, without having to work that bit harder or do certain things. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit weird, but bear with me with it. Okay, as from what I understand, pornography in America can only be filmed in a couple of states. I think one of them, I think California must be one of the places it can be filmed. Okay, there's a pubic hair star called The Hollywood, you know, which is basically no pubic hair. Porn, porn stars, a lot of the women, are very attractive women, okay? I believe that a lot of these women go off to America, to Hollywood, try and become movie stars. It doesn't work out because there's somebody else who is better or somebody else potentially looking at the Me Too movement um, has done something potentially at times that this person's not been willing to do or whatever it is or they don't have this particular talent. So if they don't have the talent, they're like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm over here in Hollywood. So they get drawn towards still acting, but in a pornographic way. Okay, so they're doing pornography and so on. And this is where a lot of these washed up, this is my theory, a lot of these washed up um, actresses end up going to. Okay, in America, in Hollywood, there's been a big, 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 big scandal. And it's been, it's ongoing, the Epstein stuff with all the sort of like paedophilia going on. Okay, to me, the Hollywood style, if you have no pubic hair, that is, you know, I guess in parallel to being a little bit more childlike. Yeah. So is there a bit of a link that people aren't talking about that it's saying, okay, this is what we're going to try and get you to look like because this is what 
is enjoyed because a lot of I'm not saying a lot watch a lot of porn, but there is a lot of there are a lot of um sort of like situations and there are a lot of neat there's a niche in porn where it's the um backroom casting room mm-hmm. where it's like okay if you do this for me I'll get you this job if you do this for me dessert and it's accepted that that's something but I don't think even when people write horror movies or whatever I think a lot of the time things are done based on an experience of something that's happened or potentially is still happening so what's happening is some of the things you're seeing in Hollywood um, uh, in pornography are mirroring potentially what's going on in the underbelly of Hollywood and in in that sense that and it may seem like a waffle but that there to an extent is real male privilege because what's happening is these women are potentially having to do things that they probably wouldn't want to do just to pay the bills so they can stay in Hollywood and maybe get that I understand what you're saying so um uh women uh who go to Hollywood with uh, the ideas of making it big um, end mm-hmm. up um, basically taking on progressively more uh, degrading uh, roles yeah. um, to to the point where they might actually fall into pornography. And mm-hmm. I do, I think I do recall reading an article a couple of years ago actually about um, uh, a woman who fe- fell into pornography um, when you know when she when she arrived in Hollywood shortly after that. And so, um, how if you forgive me for asking, how do we link that back to the concept of white privilege? Are we saying that um, white privilege is just one form of many different types of privilege that exist in society? Is that yes. what we're saying? That, that's that's what I believe. Yeah. That you know, and it's not making white people out to be bad. You're my friend. You're white. My other half is white. My children are mixed race. You know, I've got plenty of white friends, black friends, all different ethnicities. Mm. It's just a form of privilege, a form of a lack of inconvenience because I can never take my skin off. Mm. I I am who I am. If people get to know me, you can like me or dislike me. That's fine as long as you've taken the time to get to know me. Don't dislike me just because you see my skin. Well, have you seen that Robbie Williams music video where he takes his skin off? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Also, Rock DJ, isn't (laughs) it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he sort of goes in his rollerblades with a skeleton at the end or something like that. But that's just crazy, isn't it? And strangely, in that song, he doesn't he go, isn't one of the lyrics, Loddy Doddy, we like to party? What does it mean? I don't Um, know. It's from... Snoop did a song called Loddy Doddy on the Doggy Style album. Loddy Doddy, we like to party, we don't cause trouble, we don't bother nobody. We're just some... That are on the mic, yeah, and I think he's taken it from there. Yeah, so he's lifted it from, say, Snoop Dogg. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and people don't really talk about it, but I'm like, I heard Lottie Dolly back in the yeah. day, and that's maybe it's a bit of a paying homage to to that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know much about Robbie, but well, Rob, Robbie, um, I like Robbie, but not because, not necessarily because of his music, mm-hmm. um, just because he's in, he's actually insane. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't care. No, he does not care. Like I remember when they tried to reform, take that. And and he was actually big as a solo artist at that point. So he said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come back to take that. But only if you project my head on a giant projector on the stage and it's just my big head whilst you're down there on the stage. Wow. <laughs> because it, that was his roundabout way of saying, no, um, I, I don't want to do Wow. <laughs> but his, his craziness to me is why I've got a, a secret, not so secret crush on Pink, the uh, yeah. um, musician. Yeah. Because what I, I really, really like about Pink is... She doesn't care. She's like, this is who I am. Hmm. I don't care. I don't need to conform to anything in particular, but I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to show you. Like, Eminem is very similar as well. I'm going to show you my ups and downs, but this is who I am. Look, that you know, love me or leave me. I don't care, but this is who I'm going to be. Yeah. And to me, anybody who's confident enough to do that on the world stage yeah. 
has my respect because well that's very different to um people like katie perry though isn't it because um the way i see it katie perry the whole image of her is actually thanks to like an army of like mm. makeup artists and you know engin- basically engineers who socially engineer her to appear as perfect as she can be at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think she had a she had a boyfriend, didn't she? Who was it? Like um, Russell Brand? Oh yeah, Russell, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Russell, yeah. Who actually took a photo of her at four in the morning, what she really looked like, and posted it on Twitter. And I think soon after their relationship ended. Wow. But we've been waffling so. I just want to quickly, just so I understand. So essentially, white privilege is the absence of uh, an inconvenience yeah. that 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 uh, people such as the person who I met the other day, who I mentioned there. So it's not that, it's not that, you know, white people should feel guilty to have something called white privilege. It's that they do not experience some negative things that people who aren't white do. Mm-hmm. Is that the correct way of framing that? 100%. And it's not saying anybody's bad. But it's more just being able to understand that if you are in a position of privilege, you should be able to listen to other people who perhaps don't have that privilege. Mm. And it's not saying you need to change the world and you need to raise money for charity. It's just the fact that you need to be aware of it and aware of your actions. And maybe you need to slightly amend your actions in order to make sure people feel included. For example, naturally, I'll always hold the door open for somebody, whether the male or female, I don't care. I'll always do that. You know, if there's an old lady with this whole COVID walking down the street, I'll make sure I walk onto the road to give them the space. I teach my little boy, if somebody's there, let them go, say thank you, please. All those little things that, you know, little things that we do, it's because you're aware, trying to be more aware of the world around you. And if you make a mistake, because we all do, I'm not saying I'm perfect, you're perfect, but just be aware that if you make a mistake, somebody calls you out on it, don't feel attacked by it. Like when women say, you, you see it on Facebook a lot, I hate all men, all men are bastards. Don't take it as they're attacking you going, we're not all, but just be like, okay, she's been through something quite bad with a particular man. Maybe she shouldn't take out on all men, but she's saying, I'm really angry. And what she needs you to do is just listen. And obviously you're like, okay, cool. You've been through that. We'll support, I'll support you if I can. And hopefully next time, the next guy you meet, it's going to be good. Don't take it as she's having a good go at your manhood, because that shows a real insecurity on your part about your own manhood. So this is, uh, that that reminds me of, um, I think there was that that meme on the internet in response to, and to in response to things like the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. that the whole not all men thing. Like yeah, they're, yeah. They're, so you're, you're kind of um, alluding to that, that if, if someone writes, I hate all men, uh, the desire, you know, sort of, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? It's kind of like, well, I'm not, not all men are like that because I'm not. So I suppose it's it's less of that and more actually hold on. What they really want is someone to listen. So what's what you're saying? Yeah, because the Me Too. If we if we if you and me were like looking at the Me Too movement, all the things that have come out, Jeffrey Epstein, what's the other guy's name, Harvey, mm. Bill Cosby, mm. and there's a little thing I'll, I'll mention about Bill Cosby. But if we're saying to ourselves, okay, well, whatever, that, that that's them. What what why are they getting angry about that? That was nuts. That's not being supportive. That's basically saying, yeah, it was okay that those things potentially happened to you. We've got to be open to be like, okay, mistakes have been made. People shouldn't be doing these things. We need to be better at supporting our women. As Tupac says, since we all got our, na- our name from a woman, our game from a woman, um, why do we hate our women? Do we rape our women? Do we shame our women? It's time to be real for our women. Otherwise, we're going to have a race of babies that, ha- that hate the ladies that make the babies. We all need to be looking after our women, our queens, to make sure that 
we have a world where everybody should feel that they can be who they want to be and how they can be. And it's going to take a long time. It may never happen. But if we can look to try and do that, the world can be a better place around, you know, for the people that surround us. I knew, I knew that you were, was that Tupac? Right? Yeah. I knew you were a fan of Tupac, yeah. but I didn't know you could quote him word for word like that. That's actually quite impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I've, got a, I've got two tattoos, one on my shoulder blade and Queen Nefertiti that you can see there. Oh, that yeah. represents my auntie, yeah. Queen in my eyes. Mm. He had that as well. And he's one of these people. Yes, he's had, you know, some things that weren't great, but a lot of the things, he was, he was the son of two Black Panthers. He, he had that in his bloodline, very much like Kanye West. Yeah. But with Tupac, he, he, he unfortunately got involved in the thug mentality and this, that and the other, and got involved with the wrong types of people. But his message was about, let's start making some changes. Yeah. And that's what we, we as a people need to be willing to do. Because if we don't make some changes, then what's going to happen is we're all, we're going to be stuck in this rut yeah. and this is going to continue forever. Yeah. And ever. And it, it occurs to me, um, because I like to think of myself as a, a peaceful person and I know that in times of my life, whenever I felt anger or even rage, and you know, luckily I've only actually felt rage, I think on maybe two or three occasions in my 33 year life so far, but anger and rage and hatred um when i feel those things it's actually damaging to me mm. as well as mm. to whoever um i'm angry towards uh, or who i'm hateful towards mm -hmm. or who i felt rage towards and so the damage isn't just done to the person who that's directed at it's also damaging myself in those circumstances where i felt that way over the course of my life and I suppose that neatly that brings us back round to the very first thing we spoke about here is like why are we doing this and I feel like from my point of view it, you know and as you've been saying throughout this first episode it's like if taking the time to listen to others when when you know when it's practical when when, it, when it's convenient for them listening to others and understanding others mm -hmm. um, it brings about a hopefully a better society not just um, for one section of it, but for but for everybody, but that mm. that is the utopian dream that I have in my head anyway. <laughs> I'm exactly the same as you, you know, and I, you know, it may it may never happen, but if we've got that dream that that can happen, mm. we can at least make the world a better place for the people we interact with and surround ourselves by. And you know, you saying that is you know to me is really good because if we can think to ourselves, okay, I have been, I've done the best I can the people around me i've tried to understand the people around me and i won't always get it right but i will try and it's not it's not hard to try yeah. i think it's a lot harder and not it's not you can be very passive but i think it's a lot harder to get a great you know for example if i said to you something and it's completely unrelated okay i said to you i think tupac's the greatest rapper you said to me i think the choice big is the greatest rapper okay it takes a lot more energy to be trying to fight that fight and say look no 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 this is the case then listening saying okay you think that i think that okay we've both got a different opinion mm. but we can we're, we're both valid with our opinions yeah and as long as you're willing to change your opinion i've never ever since probably since the age of about nine i've never when we we're younger when i before the age of nine i was probably i was too little to understand you know at school people go oh don't be gay saying things like yeah, that yeah yeah I wasn't really aware of it until my auntie sort of like told me what gay meant, okay? Mm. And then I understood and I was like, oh, so people judge people, you know, 
for who they fancy and she's like yeah and I was like How, how's that fair she was it's not fair people shouldn't do that so after that I thought to myself well I know that people judge me and it brings me to when I was younger my parents had wog spray painted across that their door uh, 1986 after Maradona hand of Maradona hand of God when England got kicked um, lost against Argentina in the mm. World Cup my parents were had been in the country for about five or six years and my mum, she is very loud and she was like cheering when Maradona scored. And I think she was just cheering just because she, because he, because he was such a great player. She was just like, you know, in awe of him. It wasn't that she didn't hate like English people. It was more, she was in awe of this brown man who was doing all this stuff. Um, next day had Wog written. I remember my mum and dad scraping it off the wall. The neighbours knew nothing. And it's like, and I remember seeing that as a child thinking, I don't know what WOG is, but somebody's done that and they shouldn't have done that to our house. Mum and Dad are really upset, but they're trying to keep hold it together for me. I was, I was at 1986, so I'd have been four at the time. Yeah. Um, so I was like, when I had this conversation with Auntie, I was like, I realised that people will judge me and my family because I've been, I got called the N-word when I was about seven, didn't know what it was. Mm. Said to my cousin that a boy walked past and said, what are you looking at, you N? My cousin chased him down the street and beat him up, yeah. which was interesting. Yeah. Um, but... I I saw that and I realised that you can't, you, you shouldn't judge people for something that they can't help. And, it, you know, you can't help who you are. As long as you're not causing anybody any danger, you're not putting yourself at harm's risk, I don't care who you sleep with. If, if somebody says, I'm attracted to children, I get really annoyed because when you're doing that, you're putting you could you're going to be put you can potentially be putting a child at harm yeah but if you're attracted to somebody who is the same gender as you or perhaps you're transgender whatever i don't care as long as you're happy and you're not causing harm to people yeah or yourself do do you yeah i mean i i, I find it really strange like uh, i was talking uh, about the uh, you know homophobia um <laughs> a while ago um with a friend and uh, you know, we were walking down the street at the time, and and like in my head, when it comes to things like homophobia, so another, of course, another um, form of discrimination in which um, people around the world are um, being made to suffer, like especially in places like Russia and so on, at the moment. But like, it's like pointing at someone's bedroom window who I don't know when I was walking down the street, this guy, and saying, "Oh, I hate what's going on up there inside there with those curtains wow. closed." Yeah. You know, but like I'm saying, this this to me is like that's that's it doesn't make sense this form of hatred like hold on at the minute you know at the, at the moment you've got two consenting adults doesn't matter like you know who they are like you know um a male couple a female couple whatever a transgender it doesn't matter like that's their private life they're, they're out there ad, the adults they're consenting adults and what they do um is is up to them you know and so when with someone uh, the the idea that um you that that, that homophobia it, well yeah it just doesn't make sense to no me. <laughs> but you you even get pe- men who are like oh, i can't stand gay people but lesbians yeah 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 and yeah. you're like it's exactly the same but because you're not allegedly and i say allegedly because there could be you know repressed homosexuality because yeah. you're not allegedly sexually attracted to that yeah you don't find a problem you you, you you found a problem with it but if you find okay they're four boobs I love that. The four, four. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it shouldn't make any difference. It's just you know it doesn't it. matter. I suppose that's what. Yeah, you're right. I suppose that's what I was trying to say. It's like I'm indifferent to gay people, uh, or rather indifferent to what they do because I'm not attracted to it. But um, 
but there, you know, this hatred that some, you know, let's say some men have for for homosexual males, this hatred that they have for them. It's interesting to think that, um, you know, the number of these um, violent homophobes who later it transpires that they're actually gay themselves. You know, that that's, yeah. that, that says a lot. Doesn't it's that it? cognitive dissonance that yeah. people can have, and yeah. we'll talk about that, you know, in another episode. But there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that goes on with a lot of stuff we we're going to talk about with you know racial equality and so on because if it's un, it's like corona corona and racism are very similar unless it happens to some people directly they don't think it exists yes yes which to me sums it up completely but to me corona exists we need to be careful we need to take care of each other as well as ourselves yeah. racism exists we need to take care of each other and ourselves just do the best we can and understand well, it's been a, uh, a real privilege to uh, talk with you here in my living room today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank um, you for having me over. You're welcome. And I, I look forward to the to the next episode yeah. uh, that, we, that we'll film. We don't know where, we don't know when. <laughs> yeah, but we are going to do it. And we'll, we'll do it um, at regular intervals, whether that's bi-weekly or monthly. But we'll just see because we don't know the way of the world at the moment, you know, with corona, schools opening and everything. We don't know where things are going to go. But we are wanting to do this again. But what I'd like, what would both love you to do is if you could you know follow us share share it like it or it's going to be on all you know the platforms so it's going to be on i apple Podcasts. it's going to be on spotify uh possibly it's going to be on soundcloud you know get yourselves following sharing liking subscribing if you've got any questions do let us know we are going to uh, sort out a twitter page which i will make sure that we get put on there um if you you want to appear on it you know do let us know we'll also get an email address put out but obviously being the first episode we are you know finding our way but i do think this could could be really really good yeah and i i do look forward to the prospect of having guests on the show should uh, should anyone want to to uh, step forward so to speak yep. uh, we'd love to talk to you got a few few i've got about three people waiting who would definitely want to be on it so perfect um well well nate uh, thank you very much oh thank you graham and we will see you soon music as always by l train and as i say on the description you will hopefully see ways to contact us via social media have a great day people goodbye <laughs>